Welcome to season two of Sound Advice Entrepreneurs Unfiltered from Sage. If you're new to the podcast, you might not know that we've been publishing for more than a year now. We've had some amazing stories for and from entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Kate Bassett, and I was a guest on season one, which was all about how to get year one in business right. In season two, we're digging even deeper into what it's actually like to run a business with real human stories from entrepreneurs who've seen and done it all before. Remember, if you find this episode helpful, please rate or review it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll really help us to reach more people like you. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. We have new episodes for you every week, plus extra content at sage.com forward slash podcast. Our first guest of the season is Sunny Araf. Sunny dreamed of studying politics at university, but ended up flipping burgers and cleaning toilets to provide for his family. He went on to join West Midlands Police before starting his security company, ISA Support Services, in 2011. Four years ago, Sonny lost his young daughter, Khadija, to sepsis. It changed his life and it transformed him as an entrepreneur. This is the inspiring story of how he's giving back after grief. Hi, Sonny. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, Let's dive straight in. So you started ISA Support Services more than a decade ago and worked really hard to build up that business. Then in 2018, your daughter passed away. Can you talk us through how you coped with that grief? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, when anyone... For anyone that's suffered grief, I used to always think, Kate, that um, the day my parents passed away would probably be the worst day of my life. I just I just had this understanding and I'd often ask myself, how am I going to cope with that day? What's that day going to look like for me when mum and dad go? Um, but I was wrong, you know. Actually, losing a child is probably the worst day of your life. And I hope, you know, no one has to go through that. But... Um, Khatija was, she was a poorly child. She was born with, with um, a congenital heart defect, which meant that the two short years of her life she spent at Birmingham Children's Hospital and she was pretty much in and out of hospital all the time. And I believe that, that it was almost like a training program for us. Um, that, and when she, that, that, you know, getting, I, I believe God was preparing us for that day when we were finally going to say goodbye to our, to our um, daughter. But having spent the two two years at the hospital and having seen all the hurt and pain that she had to go through with all the various surgeries that she went through, um, it was just our faith that got us through it. If I'm honest, Kate, we are, I'm you know I'm a practicing Muslim and I you know we believe that children go to heaven and they're in a better place. And as a father of a daughter. I was, you know, I have three beautiful boys and uh, I was extra protective over Khadija because she was my daughter. And I just, I'd always worry, you know, where is she going to end up? You know, when she gets married, if she gets married, you know, what's her husband going to be like? And I was having these thoughts that when my baby was like a couple of months, you know, that's crazy. Um, But ultimately, after she went, I realised that I no longer have to worry about Khadija because she's a child of heaven and she's in a in a, in a beautiful place. Um, and I suppose having an amazing team around me that really supported me on this journey um, and a very supportive family and a wife that 
again is like the the strongest person that I've ever met. Um, it all kind of helped. But Sunny, I mean, I I have two young daughters. The the grief just and devastation must have been unimaginable. There must have been days where you didn't even want to get out of bed in the morning. How did you find the resilience to do that and carry on and run the business? So yeah, absolutely. There was days, there was weeks that I didn't want to get out of bed. And I was very fortunate because I had a a fantastic business and an amazing team. So my worry really wasn't, is the business, you know, going to survive? You know, how are we going to pay the mortgage? How are we going to pay bills? How are we going to pay for parking? You know, that wasn't my worry. So I was so blessed. And what I would often do is, is I would often focus on my why. And that's the message really, that's really important that when we go through times when things aren't going to plan and we're we're suffering, whether it's with grief or whether it's, you know, we're suffering because the business isn't doing well, we always need to focus on our why. And, and, you know, why is it that we want to become successful? Why is it that we must become successful? There, are, For me, there is, there is no second chance. There's no second choice. This is the first choice and it's plan A and, and there's no plan B, sorry, right? Um, so I always focused on wanting to help other people because initially when we were in hospital that the for, for me we want we started off helping people families in the hospital because what we found was is that families were struggling with I, I mentioned parking you know Birmingham Children's Hospital is in the middle of the city centre and often when your child's rushed to hospital you don't plan anything people just leave their homes in an ambulance or they drive their children to hospital and then they realize that they will be staying in hospital some of these parents for a very very long time so we started helping families in the hospital you know with with like food and parking and you know just little things that we just when your child is poorly the last thing you want to worry about is is money you know um you want to just spend all your time and energy on your child and be there for them so for me it was just focusing on my why and I said I had to get through this because I th- I said if anything like this ever happens again to me and if I want to help people the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I have a successful business and I have the financial freedom to allow me to do that. I'd come into board meetings Kate and I'd literally walk into the meeting and my whole team would be sat around the, the boardroom table. I'd sit down, we'd start the meeting and I'd just break down and my team would just sit there in silence and I'd have a cry and they'd have a cry and I'd look up and I'd be like, right, should we crack on with this? And they were like, are you sure you want to carry on? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And it was great because they they almost knew exactly what to do. You know, that that was like our intimate moment and it really brought us together as a team because they knew that um, I needed some space. I just needed to let it out. I just needed to have a cry and that's exactly what I did. And again, some of the team members would be having a cry with me and then I'd say, right, let's get on with it. And that went on for months and months, you know, um, but we got through it and, uh, and and we're here today. So, I mean, losing Khadija really did change your why and you really channeled that grief into better causes. Um, I know you set up the ISA Foundation. Can you tell us about your goal with that and some of the projects that you're supporting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the foundation was set up um, because we wanted to help vulnerable people. And initially we wanted to call it the the, the Baby K Foundation. Um, 
because I, but, but I didn't want people to think that it was just a, you know, a foundation that supports babies, for example, and that's the only thing that we do. The, the idea behind the foundation really is that it's, it's, it's an avenue for us to give back to the world, and not just here in the UK, but internationally. Our focus with the foundation is supporting vulnerable people. And when I say vulnerable people, initially we started working with refugees. We've worked, we've worked with refugees uh, from Syria for a very, very long time in, in neighboring countries like Lebanon, um, Lebanon, Turkey, Iraq, so all the na and Jordan. Um, so I started visiting the refugee camps and I did this, um, I, I, I did this even before Khadija, you know, I was working with, with, the, with the refugees. Um, so people like refugees, children that are poorly, um, I started working with a charity called Muntada Aid and they've got an amazing project called the Little Hearts uh, Project and uh, I would travel with surgeons from all around the world to countries where children similar to Khadija um, were suffering and their parents couldn't afford to have surgery so these surgeons, bless them, would, would give their own time and they would, we just, we just conduct surgeries, you know, it's, it's like a week intense um, of just conducting cardiac catheters, conducting surgeries for these children. And that was the most, I think I've been on many, many aid missions all the way around the world. And, and the foundation works with partners in, in, in a lot of countries, you know, but the little hearts project was, it was, it was the, like emotionally, I was an absolute wreck because I was spending a whole week in a hospital and I was just surrounded by children that reminded me of Khadija. And all the t and everything made sense to me, all the terminology, th you know, the feelings that the, the parents were feeling. But at the same time, it was the most amazing experience because standing with a, with a mother and a father outside an operating theatre and the doctors coming out and telling them that their child's going to be okay now because they've done the surgery and the look of relief on their face was something that for me was just unbelievable. Khatija had a purpose when she came into this world and I believe that we're fulfilling that purpose, you know? Um, so it's, it's just great. It's just amazing being able to give back. There is no other feeling I believe in this world um, better than giving back, you know? I've been very fortunate and very successful in my life. Um, and that used to excite me, you know, that the success used to excite me. I'd get really excited about hitting targets, about, you know, increasing revenue and sales and profits every year. But actually, after Khatija, I feel that there's more to life. So um, it, it's about becoming successful and then giving back. She's almost changed your definition of success, hasn't she? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, success is, is different for, for most people. But for me, success is contentment. It's being content with what we have in life. And if we can if we can really focus on that and be happy with what we have. And what I always say to people is, is focus on the things in life that you don't money can't buy. So when you're having a bad day because you've got out the, you know, the wrong side of the bed or because again, you know, talking about business and business isn't doing well. I want you just to look around and look at the things in life that money can't buy your partner, your parents, your children, your family, your friends, you know, the fact that we're fit and well and we're healthy. Um, and, and if we start focusing on all these things, then we start becoming less reliant on these materialistic things in life that money can buy. Um, and life becomes a lot more simpler. And talking about that 
simpler life. I mean, it was quite a struggle for you growing up, wasn't it? I know your parents found it hard to make things, um, make, make ends meet. Um, can you just go back to why you started ISA in the first place, some of those early you know, struggles, getting the business off the ground and, and what really inspired you to, to start it in the first place? Yeah, you're right. We did have, um, we had an amazing childhood, Kate, but it was full of poverty. You know, I, I don't think there's any way we can really sugarcoat it. That, um, that we, we, we were very fortunate that we, we always had a roof over our heads and we were always in a, we were in a loving family. And my mum and dad, you know, God bless them, did an amazing job. Um, but it was a struggle. And I remember that struggle. I remember that when times were really, really hard. You know, I remember when, I, you know, dad's car would, would break down outside school and, and we'd always dread driving up the hill because we always knew that the car would literally break down right, right outside the school when, uh, when your friends are waiting for you outside school, you know. So, uh, and I kind of made, seeing that from, from a very early age and seeing the struggle that my mum and dad went through, I made a decision very early on in life that I never wanted to be that person. That I didn't want my kids to go through what I had to go through and I didn't want them to see what I saw as a child. Um, and the only way I was going to do that was through financial freedom. So I knew from a very early age that I really had to work my socks off um, and become, you know, somebody. And so the mission started very, very early. But after I left the police, it just felt like a natural progression for me to go into security. Uh, and that's what I did. And I've never looked back. And I'm thankful for it. You talked um, a little bit about work-life balance. You know, in those early days, you were working crazy hours and really running on empty. Now you have a great team around you, financial independence. And I think, you know, I'm sure the, the experience of losing your daughter has really shifted your priorities as well. Um, what pointers do you have for other business owners on this? You know, how, how do you prioritise? What are your tips? I think the first thing is, is that that when you are alone working, you know, all hours of the day and night, know that you're not on your own. You know, it's 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 really easy to think that you are the only person that's doing this. But the reality is, is that there is, there is millions of entrepreneurs out there that are working day and night to to, to make ends meet and to grow their businesses. But just remember that if you work really hard and, you know, you, want, you, you maintain that passion and that drive that you have in the early days, it won't always be like this. You know, it's really easy to think that you're going to spend the rest of your life working 24 hours, never seeing your family. Um, we have to make the sacrifices. As entrepreneurs and business owners, there is, um, there is an expectation that we have to make the sacrifices. So make the sacrifices, but at the same time, always share your journey. You know, share your journey with people around you so they understand why you are doing what you're doing. We know that a lot of marriages, for example, break break down, Kate, because, um, you know, either the husband or the wife are out working trying to build a business and the other partner doesn't understand that. And it, it, it creates this divide. When I got married, my wife's from Pakistan and the first day that she came over from from Pakistan, you can imagine the whole family were around my, my, my home and we were having dinner and then I went upstairs to start getting changed and she followed me and she said like what are you doing and I was like I'm getting changed and she was like like what to go to work and I was like yeah absolutely I, I need to go to work and she was like but it's my first day here and you know like can you not take the day off 
And that's when I sat my wife down and I had a, a really serious conversation with her. I explained to her that I was trying to start a business and, you know, that if she sticks by me and we do this together, I said, I promise you, it won't always be like this, but we have to make the sacrifices today. And, and I have a job to go to and I really need to go. Um, and I just said that I really need your support. And if you support me on this, I promise you it will be worth it in the end. You know, and I'm so glad that I had that conversation with my wife at that point because she's supported me ever since. You know, we've never had to argue about why am I working so many hours? Um, so it's always a means to an end. Share the journey with those that you love. Make sure that they understand. Share the journey. And if people don't understand, don't waste your time trying to explain it to them. I'm talking about friends and family. Just move on. You know, surround yourself with a team that has bought into your vision um, and and reward people uh, you know, reward them before they ask to be rewarded. You know, that's the that's the main thing. Love it that you're giving us marriage tips on this podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right because so often, um, you know, when there's an entrepreneur in the family, it's the partner who also bears the weight of the stress and the responsibility, and that often goes ignored, doesn't it? I I, I believe that partners don't get the credit that they deserve. You know, I'm. I always, and this is why I always try and mention my wife, whether it, whether I'm on a podcast or I'm, um, you know, an award ceremony or, or whatever I'm doing, because I could not have done this without my partner. That's the reality. There is no way that I would be able to give my business or my businesses the time that they require if I didn't have a solid, you know, wife behind me. Um, so they don't get the credit, you know, and having a supportive family or for, for people that don't have a, a, a big family, I'm very fortunate that I have a big family, but for people that don't have a family, having a, a, a supportive friend structure is really important. Share your dreams with them, you know, and people will laugh at you. And sometimes, you know, you'll, 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 you'll share your dreams and your vision and your aspirations and people won't get it. They won't understand and that's when it becomes a very lonely place. You know, being at the top, Kate, is really like I always say this to my staff, too, that if they if they do something wrong, I'm here to coach them, to counsel them, um, to tell them off, you know, and to make sure that we get it right the second time. But if I get it wrong, then who is there to support me? You know, and uh, there's no one to tell me off. For, I mean, I've got a business partner, but he doesn't really tell me off, to be honest. But, uh, you know, th there's no one really to tell me off and to show me that I'm going, you know, I'm not doing things right. So it can become a really lonely place. And that's when you have to share your goals and your dreams. Um, and often, for, and for me, it's with my wife, you know. But but I'm good because everything that I promised her, I've been able to deliver. So, so, so that um, has probably gone in my favour. Other than turning to your wife, have you ever thought of getting a coach or, you know, who else do you turn to in those really tough moments? So I had, um, I've had mentors, Kate, I've had mentors in the past and I've had people that I look up to, but I'm probably in a position now where I've, this is going to sound so bad, but I've outgrown my mentors in, in that sense. And I, and it's funny because one of my quotes used to always be work so hard where your mentors become your competitors, you know? So I had mentors and I've outgrown my mentors in terms of how the business is doing and how I'm performing. And they're actually contacting me now saying, Sonny, it's great that you're doing so well. Um, so I, I take inspiration from, I mean, I've, I've always said this, I take a lot of inspiration from my mom because I, and my mum and dad, because I remember the struggles that they went to. And, and to me, they are that generation, 
you know, they are the, the real entrepreneurs. You know, we were fortunate that while we were building a business, I live at home with mom and dad. So I had that. I didn't have to worry about like paying a mortgage, for example. So I could really focus on my um, on my business. But they didn't have that luxury. So people that came over from other countries and had to work really hard, um, they, for me, are my inspiration and they're the true entrepreneurs, you know. Um, but I have people that I look up to and I follow a lot of journeys of people online, social media, on YouTube, and I try and keep in touch with what's happening in the business world, for example. Um, and I take inspiration from, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, you know, somebody that's doing really well, I can take inspiration from anyone, you know, people inspire me all the time. I can have a conversation with a 10 year old child, and they can give me inspiration, because I'm constantly learning. And I learn from my children too, you know, I pick up so many amazing, um, amazing things from speaking to my boys. I have a daughter, another daughter I've had, by the way, just to, for the listeners. So Ramesh is two years old. And, and uh, as you can imagine, she is um, she's my best friend and she's my buddy and she looks just like Khadija and she does things Aww. that Khadija, Khadija used to do. Um, and um, she is my, she's my biggest fan like Khadija was. And she really is my why Kate, to be honest. That's my reason to get out of bed every morning to make sure that I can give her um, the, the opportunities that she deserves. The absolute apple of your eye. Ap oh, yes, Absolutely. I'm sure there's nothing more motivating than actually seeing firsthand the difference that your money's making. It's the best feeling in the world. And it drives you. You know, my staff think like they, they prepare. When I'm, uh, uh, when I'm away, it's really weird because I will start pinging emails. I'll be like in the middle of Africa somewhere and I'll be emailing the team saying, I've had this idea and, you know, I think we should work on this kind of project. And they all, they get ready for it. And when I come back, I'm super excited. Why? Because... What enabled me to go to, to, let's just say, for example, to Ethiopia, what enabled me to go to Ethiopia, to fly to Ethiopia, to pay for the flights, to pay for my accommodation, to pay for the, and then deliver a project that's worth 30, 40, 50,000 pounds, for example, it was the success that we have from the business. So if I want to go back to Ethiopia, to Africa or to anywhere and do that, the only way I'm able to do it is if my business is doing well and we're earning money. That's the reality of it. The minute the business stops doing well and I have no money left, Kate, I can't go out. And I don't want that ever taken from me. I don't ever want to never because we don't fundraise. So the foundation is it's it's completely self-funded. Um, so we have to, we have no second choice but to do well so we can focus on the things that we love. And eventually I'd like to spend, I'd like to become a full-time um, volunteer for the foundation where I can go out and, and, and just focus on, you know, projects and, and then get my kids in. I took my wife out with me um, a few, uh, maybe a year after Khadija passed away, we went out. I took her to Lebanon um, and there was um, a girl called Zainab and she is... Um, She's, I met her when she was literally like a five month old baby and I walked past this refugee camp and she was sat outside and she has uh, Down syndrome but at the time her family didn't realise that she had Downs um, and um, I just connected with Zainab, it was just the most like weirdest thing that I had this connection and for those that follow me on social media like will know who Zainab is um so we went into we spoke to her parents and we tried to do what we could and every time we travel back to Lebanon we'd always take gifts for Zainab and her family um and then um last year we were able to move her family no they they moved they moved into some accommodation and it was 
it was terrible because they were alienated because they were no longer living in a refugee camp. So they would no longer have the support from the other NGOs. So then when I went to Lebanon, I went to visit them and I took the team and I was like, this is the famous Zainab and she's, and she's, she's probably about five or six now. Um, and then we were then able to move Zainab uh, and her family to better accommodation and to help their dad start up a, a business or, um, you know, get him into employment. Um, so for me that, you know, when I took my wife out, it was just, it was an amazing experience because I said, this is Khatija's legacy. And these are the kids, you know, I, th I often think like how proud that she would be of what we are trying to do here in the world. And um, I can almost hear her saying, you know, well done, Papa, you, you, you know, I'm so proud of you. And every time I do uh, go to these deployments, I can hear a voice in my head telling me and I can see her face in, in the face of all these other children, regardless of who they are, where they come from, whether they have a disability or they don't or, you know, whatever religion or colour or race that they, they belong to for me children are just so innocent and they are you know they, they they're so vulnerable and if we don't have people like us that support them then they, they are completely on their own Khadija had me and her mom and her loving family there's children that don't have parents and we want to look after them kids that don't have a, a family like Khadija did Khadija would be so proud of you, Sonny. And you're right, you know, the bigger your business grows, the more people you can help. So it's an extraordinary and powerful mission. Um, I also wanted to ask you about how you're inspiring the next generation of entrepreneurs. I know you're mentoring a lot of people, but it comes with a contract. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, we try and, you know, I've, I've recently launched the Global Entrepreneurs Fund, and it's a fund that I'm funding myself where it will invest in entrepreneurs that come from underprivileged backgrounds. We, we launched the first project in Pakistan. I, I, I went to Pakistan recently to help with the flood victims. And um, we launched the first project of the Global Entrepreneurs Fund in Pakistan. And what we did, what we done was we, um, we sponsored 20, um, 20 people, 20 guys that come from very poor families that were historically having handouts from charities and they were relying on handouts from locals and other NGOs and we set them up with businesses so they got fruit carts and they can um, we, we set them up with the fruit carts we set them up with the stock the idea is is that they no longer have to rely on handouts and they can provide for themselves and their family and that's the way we're going to um, break out the circle of poverty but my contract with them and others that I mentor is that we will give you the tools to, to become successful, we will try and teach you how to become successful. But you have to give back. Our deal with you is that we will try and help you on that journey. But when you make it to that stage, when you're earning enough money, where you can provide and take care of all your own needs, but also provide to others, then you have to give back. And um, the mentoring program that we're about to launch will be a, a there'll be a contract in that where people have to sign the contract um, that they, if they're going to come onto our mentoring program, then they have to agree to give back. Thank you, Sonny, for speaking so openly and honestly about the impact of grief and how you're putting purpose before profits. You can hear more from Sonny by following him on Twitter at Sonny Arak. For show notes and loads of other good stuff, visit sage.com forward slash podcast. See you soon for more real stories from Sound Advice Entrepreneurs Unfiltered.